Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the milestone 60th edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. With each uh, edition that we inflict upon the public, we pick a corresponding Rough Rider uniform number that uh, uh, reflects the greatness of an ex-Rough Rider. So number 60, not a very difficult number to choose today. We salute Gene Makowski. And we also salute his son, Nick, who played for uh, Team Saskatchewan at the... Uh, under-16 Western Challenge football tournament on the weekend in Kamloops. Re registered two interceptions, one for a touchdown in the final. Saskatchewan beat BC and was named the defensive MVP of the entire tournament. Hmm. So Stunning Nick Mikowski would have a son that so, could play football. And play on defense. On yeah. defense, yeah. So, um, Marie McCormick is with us, our special guest today. No stranger to these this building uh, is Daryl Davis, who... Uh, very proud, I hope, leader post alumnus now with uh, with CJME, Rocco Radio, the Green Zone, uh, future Olympic racquetball player. Daryl, thanks so much for <laughs> yeah. being with us. All right, Rob, let's see if we can get an uh, Olympic racquetball sanctioned, okay? Well, breakdancing is in there. Yeah, now. I know. Why not? That's what we've been switching over to so now. Nobody what, uses what? racquetball courts for racquetball anymore, so we pr we practice our breakdancing. <laughs> I don't know if you can What break is the dance? world coming to? Can you breakdance to country music? Yeah. You can break dance to everything. Mark. Can you? Okay. <laughs> You've heard the number one song lately? Yeah, it's true, too. Okay. <laughs> it's very true. Listen to jazz. It's way better. Yuck. Um, Yuck. I want to go on a bit of a rant here. Uh, this latest gainer thing. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Where the gainer was... Some people took offense to the gainer supposedly handling a stuffed line in a manner that was not widely applauded. Um, can this just go away? This whole ultra sensitive, ultra sensitivity about everything—it's a stuffed toy. I saw a story yesterday posted on Twitter, and I thought this is a parody. There, people are having a little fun with the with the whole gainer thing, and they're just writing something in hyperbolic fashion just to have a little fun with the thing. And then I saw another media outlet posted a story that this is actually happening. People are actually upset over what happened to a stuffed toy they were like uh, can this please stop they were upset when he changed his eye colors too. i know but like it's just it's a mask and i was i was kind of excited to see gainer had the lion back out with him again because that used to be the best part he used to travel drag around the tiger cat and stomp on him and remember do the figure the arm bars and then he'd drop on top of him it was fun watching gainer do it. i been thought doing this for 40 years I know. and uh, okay can we agree that grabbing him by the, the stuffed toys have nether regions? It's a it's a stuffed toy. I know. How is this news? How is this even? I guess it's a, the impetus for a discussion at the outset of a podcast. But this is the most, or if, if it, we're talking about Gainer, it's a paw to cast. But this is the this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, and I've been doing this for thirty three years, which makes me the junior member of this panel. Yeah. <laughs> That gives me pause for thought like, about that, too. I don't but believe this. this unbelievable. I People, do not believe this. And, and the riders have actually actually had to, put, had to put out a statement about this. And I had the people look at us, supposedly legitimate media people. Why aren't we doing stories on this? Like, 
Can't we just say, yeah, it was a stupid thing. Let's go. Move hey, on. gave me a commentary yesterday. Well, I saw that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you too. So maybe in your legitimacy is a little questionable right now. <laughs> you need well, something to chat about, right? And, yeah. and it, it, is, it starts as fun, right? And then, then you realize that some people are serious about it, that they think that this is despicable, the way that he behaved, that he spread the, the, ma- yeah. the, the stuffed animal's legs and picked it up anatomically by the anatomically incorrect places. So they're, they're thinking that's a little bit too vulgar. So maybe, maybe you cross the line a little bit and you say, okay, Gainer just tone it down a little bit, but now they won't even let him have his stuffed lion anymore. <laughs> come yeah. on. The riders just had to mm-hmm. s- just slough this one off and say, come on, people. Okay. It, we've, we live hey, in this age. I think they hey, did, though. Here's the nice thing. Yeah. We he had took fu- his lion away. <laughs> well, but here, yeah, here's man. the one nice thing. We finally got a statement from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders about something because they'll never comment about anything, it seems like. So yeah. the fact that they at least issued a statement was something that's really a step forward in their direction. Here's what I don't understand, though. In this... In this day and age, a, a, a line a mascot can be censured for behavior toward an inanimate object, a stuffed toy. Yet you can have a president of the United States who can get away with ridiculous things and the things he said on that NBC video years ago. You have a president of the United States who's done all these absolutely horrible things and he gets elected as the most powerful man in the world. And yet, in the same era where people are ultra sensitive about everything, there's people who are upset about what a gainer, what a gopher does to a stuffed mascot, or a mascot does to a stuffed toy. So, how is it we can be so ultra sensitive on one hand, and yet Donald Trump is the president of the United States? The sender, his reaction. This is so this, ridiculous. Everything's to, ridiculous. His smugness to that sender back chant is just absolutely disgusting to watch. And you'll go, like, how can he get away with that? But that's not sports. I'm but, sorry. This has just been bugging me well, since know, yesterday. Me. Hey, the ridiculous. Americans elected the dumbest man in the country to lead them. So away we move. We just I vote for on. the stuffed toy of the Democrats uh, no. or Republicans <laughs> put him on the ticket. So anyway, football. It's kind of like the stuffed toy absorbed a bit of a pounding too, like the Lions did in a way. But, you know, we look back on that game and the Lions kind of had a played decently. Like they had some, like Mike Riley threw for over nearly 370 yards, I think, top of my head. Got, and, and ran the ball effectively. And ran 31 for 40. And, you know, the offense had over 400 yards of offense. <clears throat> excuse me. And the and Medic. 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 Yeah, excuse me. Daryl Sick, Murray, hacking. <laughs> this is great to... Uh, like I can't yeah. call it television. Go ahead, take it from there, Rob. Daryl, save us. Save us, Daryl. The, the big thing with Mike Gallagher, though, is why was he in the game at the end? That's what we're all wondering about. <coughs> Devon Claybrooks, the head coach, got talked into letting Mike Riley go back into the game. There was no reason. You've got a $750,000 a year quarterback who's played pretty well, sacrificed his body, he's been hurt. You don't you don't let him go back in the game. He had him out of the game. He should have <coughs> kept him on the bench, but he said he wanted to go back in. You're the new head coach. Rookie head coach. There were a bunch of rookie mistakes. Mike Riley is obviously the head coach. Yeah, evidently. But, you know, the you know uh, uh, Craig Dickinson made some rookie head coach mistakes too, right? They go up 24-19 late in the game and kick one-point convert rather than going up two points for, with a two-point to go up seven. Those are the type of things that rookie head coaches have to learn. Craig Dickinson hopefully learned something. Hopefully Devon Claybrooks learned something as the head coach of the BC Lions. Although he says, you know, Mike Riley wanted to go in. I'm going to let him. Uh uh-uh. uh. Eventually, you have to stay. Say, I'm the guy in charge. I make the decision. Well, you, you're you're both parents. If you if one of your one of your sons or one of your daughters wanted to stay up till midnight and and watch a movie, at some point you don't say, okay, they want to do that, so stay up till two, stay up till four if you want. At some point, you have to say, no, uh, get go to bed by ten. Yep. Uh, 
in the Mike Riley situation, he took a needless hit to the leg when he was was hit by McKenna Henry mm-hmm. late in the game. He should not have been anywhere near that football game at that point. How do you, especially with the kind of paper mache protection that they're providing him? Mm-hmm. Honestly, oh, that, that, that's also a the domino effect. You've got to keep your other good players in too, because you're going to get Riley killed if you put in the want to bring in your other backups. So you have to keep your starters in too. So you're also putting the other eleven guys at risk. But you have to keep some of them, obviously. But yeah, they kept that... their three good players in the game till the end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that was it. A... Yeah, they spend so much money on their quarterback, they don't have much else, right? No. They, the, did you see the? I don't know if I've ever seen an offensive line juggled that much. There is one guy in his original spot. Yeah. They're trying to protect Mike Riley's been sacked twenty-one times in in six games. What a pounding he's going to take. And how many hits is he taking afterwards? afterwards Del- delivery too. sacks, right? That's what they yeah. call him, right? So he's throwing the ball and getting thumped. But so Joseph, they really still they still ran way. the ball effectively. Yep. You know, Rutley had a pretty good game. You know, they, they, the Riders kind of seem to be catching up. So I don't know if there's something going with the Riders' defense. But when they uh, needed to stop a running play, oh, they did. No, they, they, they stopped. You know, uh, uh, Charleston Hughes on a couple of occasions yep. uh, snuffed out running plays. They, uh, they, they were vulnerable to it, but it was the timing of when they were neutralizing the running plays that seemed yep. to be in their favor. Well, you look at all the four field goals they had. You know, those two of those are touchdowns. It's a whole different game. Yeah, I mean the Riders didn't try us try a single field goal. No, that's and DC a was game. had to settle for some chip shots. So that game was decided in the red zone, or I guess it deferred you, Daryl, the green zone. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's called that, I guess. Right? I mean, that's well, where it well, Danny that was Barry used to call it the green zone because he said the red zone is indicative of stopping. So you want to call it the green zone anyway. That's what he did call it. So because you want to score once you get in there, and then it, yeah, I know it's semantics, but what the heck. Call it the green zone, call it whatever. The Rough Riders finish their drives. But as you pointed out today, they're long passes, too. Long touchdown passes, mm-hmm. long plays to set them up. Shaq Evans, a couple of tremendous catches to set up touchdown yep. scores. Hard to believe he couldn't score a touchdown last year, right? Yeah, a couple yeah. of close calls. But, but just didn't didn't get there, though. So and boy, has he turned into a different but that was when The score his first touchdown, the move he put on a defensive back, mm-hmm. cut in and cut, and then just so fast. He's... Sneaky fast, I think. We I don't... mean, the easiest catch he made was a touchdown pass. He yeah. had two yeah. catch, two contested catches that were just showcases athleticism, leaping ability, and also demonstrated I think, the confidence that Cody Fajardo has in Shaq Evans. Is it's your ball, go get it. His ability to adjust to the ball was really impressive too. Yeah. You said that it was an it was the easiest catch maybe, but he had a spectacular run after oh, yeah. catches, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, Shaq Evans, he's one of those guys where you're wondering. It's a lot of inexperienced uh, receiver. It's not, a, it's not a great receiving core. It's got to prove to itself, prove to us, prove to everyone that it's a mm-hmm. good receiving core. And it, it, it went from one of the best in the league to one of the worst. Now they're building themselves up a little bit. Cody Fajardo's getting used to them. Shaq Evans showed that he did it. You know, Kyron Moore, big play. So they, it looks like they're, they're turning into a, a, a group that works together. They have to practice together. They have to spend time, and I'm pretty sure that Cody Fajardo spends extra time. You watch him at practice. The quarterbacks are staying out working with these guys getting to know them, and I think it's starting to show in their aerial attacks. Some people, basic, sorry, some people are saying, you know, how do you weigh these two victories against two of the worst teams in the league? Mm-hmm. But I think people have to – they beat them still. And there, there's times we're in the, ride, the bad rider teams. They would go in and lose to teams. You mentioned the Danny Barrett era. <laughs> yeah. They, should, they mm-hmm. should beat these teams. They have to beat these type of teams, and they have to beat – and that's a good sign. It's not necessarily – there's no room on the scorecard for an explanation of how they beat them or who you beat. You got two points and you got the win. So I like to think – and it goes against our natural ability to look at the positive side, but that they won two games against teams they should beat. They should beat the Lions again on the weekend, and then they got what's going to be like look like likely, likely be the biggest test of the season when the Tiger Cats are here without Simone Lawrence. So, mm-hmm. well, Daryl, so, you covered the Riders when 
they they were notorious for not beating teams they should beat. You were at the game in Hamilton in 2003 when the Tiger Cats beat the Riders for their only win of the year. The following year, 2004, the Riders lost three times to a Winnipeg team that won seven games all year. 2005, they lost twice to the Ottawa Renegades who folded. 2006, they couldn't beat the Edmonton Eskimos who didn't make the playoffs. And in each case, those the failure to capitalize on those gimmies cost them a home playoff game. Yeah, so they've got the teams, the the free spaces on the bingo card have been set aside. Yeah. And they should beat BC again, but these are one of those games. I know. The BC Lions are a desperate team right now. And we didn't, last week wasn't necessarily a must win, but for the loser of the game, the next game of the home and home is certainly a must win. So for the BC Lions, if they want to prove anything, they're going to come, they should be able to come out with their, you know, fighting for their lives. So it's going to be a tougher one. As you said, Marie, the, I, I think that the Rough Riders are really in tough. And I saw that in your predictions, Rob, that you picked the BC Lions. That's totally reasonable. I really think that that can happen because it's a tough place to play. Even though they're not drawing big numbers at, at BC Place Stadium, it's a tough place to play. It's tough to play back-to-back. You get a little complacent, too, no matter what team you are, not just the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who aren't actually used to winning that much, but they could get a little complacent and a little proud of themselves and say, oh, we, we kind of manhandled these guys the first game in our place. Then you get caught a little bit and be careful. Mike Riley, as battered as he might be, is still capable of putting together some numbers. They've still got Riley. They've still got Burnham, and they were still leading in the third quarter. Yeah. And, and as, you, as you mentioned, the, the running game, the way they were moving the ball along the ground, I just I – just, people are – treating this game like they blew the Lions out. And at the end, it was, was 38-19 at one point. But I look at that Lions team, and they were right in that for a lot, of, a lot of the game, and they've still got Mike Riley. And I just get the feeling that this one might might swing a little bit. The, there was a lot of pressure on Mike Riley, but only when Charleston Hughes was rushing. Mm-hmm. That, that, was, that was the one player who absolutely gave them fit. So if they can somehow harness Charleston Hughes, which nobody's been able to do this season. Easier said than done. But if they can do that, okay, maybe that liberates other members of the Riders' defensive line. But Charleston Hughes was the only member of the Rider defensive mm-hmm. line getting consistent pressure. So they, it's pretty clear what they have to deal with. I have the way that you stop Charleston Hughes. Play him in the second half of the season. Because <laughs> <laughs> he wore down last year. Let's see how yeah, he does. Uh, obviously, an impressive game. Uh, seven, uh, ten, 10 tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles, too. He two was in there. Yeah. And yeah, and 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 tackles for losses, an exceptional game. Let's see. I, I want to see him carry it over. He started last season tremendously well, too. And then just this you know, 12 halfway through the season, I believe, right? Yeah, and got one in, yeah, and, and got one or two the, the, in the second half. So he can't disappear this time. If he continues to play like that, unbelievable. He's like looks like he's 10 years younger than he really is, right? Good for him. But Let's see if he can carry it on because that's vital to them. I just want to go back, step back a little bit. Why do you think BC Place is so tough to play? And you and I have been there many, many times. We've been there without the roof, with the roof and stuff. With the fake noise. Fake noise and all that stuff. But, you know, they, and even when the roof is open, I, I think my pick, it's always hot. Especially this, it's going to be hot there. On and the, humid. And humid. So mm-hmm. it's a little, but it's not a huge time change difference for the riders. It's just an hour. If you can't take an hour time difference. I don't know. I don't. Some say, why is it so tough? To I, play? I think Vancouver's a distraction to a lot of the, a lot of the players. It's a nice to me. It's the prettiest city in, in in the country, and they get out and walk around too much. I, I really That's think probably. that I really think it happens. I I used when I was traveling, and you do that too, don't you? You go out and walk around. Do you see the players out? Yeah, yeah, I do too. And they're not supposed to do much walking, right? When they're yeah. on road trips. But in Vancouver, it seems like they all are, and they get a little bit more tired. I, that's the reason that I always used to think. You know, I used to see some of those guys miles away from the hotel oh, yeah. and strolling around, and you just you, you get captured, enraptured yeah. by the beauty of the city, and away you go. And I think that 
that suddenly distracts you because you just want to enjoy it and you forget, oh, gosh, we got a football game tonight. When you say that BC Place is a, a tough place to play, are you referring to the Rough Riders or the Lions? <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, basically, I've only seen the Riders play there. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to – Charleston Hughes, too, I want to go back to that for a sec. One of the plays that he made that really didn't – wasn't part of a really glittering stat line, it was one of his defensive tackles. But the Lions were in, in third and – second and seven, and they tried uh, kind of a short little flip pass over the middle to Brian Burnham. And this was deep in Ryder territory. And Charleston Hughes was standing right beside him, tracked him down from behind. It became third and two and a field goal. Now, it wasn't a sack. It wasn't a tackle for a loss. It wasn't a quarterback pressure. It wasn't a forced fumble. But that play where Brian Burnham gained five yards when he needed seven and Charleston Hughes got him from behind, that was massive. And it was symbolic or it exemplified how the Lions couldn't finish off in the red zone, green zone, whereas the Rough Riders were able to. And that was, that was as big a play as any in the game. And it was a five-yard game. Mm -hmm. Are we giving Micah Johnson any credit for this? Because they've got to cover him and now you know, double teams and triple teaming Micah Johnson. And he's not getting the sacks, and he's, but he's getting the pressures. He's, they've got to focus on him, and that's a side that Charleston Hughes maybe is getting less coverage. Mm -hmm. That was the reason, because Michael Johnson doesn't have a sack, and you think, is he doing anything? For the first couple games, no, he wasn't in game shape, but now it looks yeah. like, as you said, Murray, he's really starting to apply that internal pressure, yeah. make Zach Evans, the other defensive tackle, a better player. They, they've rotated a couple of other guys in there, too, so that's keeping them fresh. It, it's, it, it is springing Charleston Hughes, as, yeah. as you mentioned, and that's a huge one. You talked about Brian Burnham. That's about all they got in the receiving core, right? If you're relying on Deron Carter... Oh yeah, man! Is that money spent wasted or I'll, what? I'll tell you what, though, on the play that where Lucia's Purifoy made the pick, mm -hmm. if Mike Riley had had the time or the, to, or the inclination to look to his left, Deron Carter down the sideline waving mm -hmm. wide open. Yeah. yeah, that's how. That's and then the Riders get that pick and go down for a touchdown that seals it. But what if he sees Deron Carter wide open down the sideline? Then it gets... But that's the pressure. That's where, you have, yeah. that's where you go and you spend all that money on a defensive line. Like, there's a lot of money in that defensive yeah. line. You know, I don't know what you're... 250, 140 for Zach. I don't know what... Is, you know, that's pretty... I mean, they're, they're pretty Johnson's much the highest paid defensive player in the league. They say, yeah, right? that's so, his yeah. two fifty. I don't know what Charleston Hughes would make. I mean, he'd make more than a hundred. I would think yeah. oh, AC yeah. Leonard would have been would be high nineties, low hundreds. So yep. that's yeah. a lot of money invested in that defensive line. <laughs> you, know, you know, who doesn't get enough credit on this Riders defense is Lucius Purifoy. You know, you keep and you know, he came here. The the Red Blacks released him last year, and then the Riders picked him up right away. And he had a bit of a reputation of being a locker room guy, not being the. Uh, the greatest guy in the locker room, but he just is settled in so well. And you watch that pick he does, and he gets that big kickoff return. He's just yeah. a a good, solid half. I think he's playing Ganey right now, I think, in my mind. Well, Ganey too. will usually get the tougher receiver, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true, too. Yeah, but, but and, Purif and Purifoy can play outside, can play inside. Can, they so ask him to do a lot of things. They can move him up to that linebacker spot, too. Yeah. So they, they can use him quite a bit. And as you said, the, re the kickoff returns, he's, he's very they, good at that, Well, you can't go without kickoff returns. How many more do you think Thig Marcus Thigpen has in that those thirty three year old legs? And and not only like you say thirty three, but not only did he outrun guys as he was getting closer to the end zone, that, those guys are still running hard, and he's spreading the it's like a cartoon with his yeah. legs were kind of like and, and, and getting farther and farther ahead of those guys, the guys yeah. tackling him. Thirty three, you're right, yeah. big play potential. Use him. I'm I'm amazed at how little they do use him in offense, but I would I would throw Marcus Thigpen in there every yeah. couple of every couple of plays just to make sure gives us a William Powell a nice rest gives him a change of pace big pen's a better receiver than powell yeah. and certainly a game breaker who can well, change Robin, i keep thinking we said many times why isn't think been involved in more in the passing yeah. game mm -hmm. i mean he's caught 32 passes as a rider as long as gains 28 mm -hmm. and he did have the 19 yard touchdown against uh, ottawa this year but 
this is a sign of my age, but I grew up watching Bobby Thompson, Silas McKinney, Peter Watson, Molly McGee, tailbacks that Ron Ed Buchanan. What about just, Two Yard Stew? Fraser. He was he was not a running back. I grew up watching <laughs> Sorry. Ronnie take these fast halfbacks, match them up against a linebacker or somebody in the secondary who wasn't suitable to cover them, and just go to town. Now, it's, and football is increasingly a matchup game. So how do you not take Marcus Thigpen and try and put him one-on-one with somebody who has no business trying to cover Marcus Thigpen and just go nuts? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a card they have not even which thought about playing. Which receiver yeah. do you set? You, you, you have Powell out of the game, you put Thigpen yeah. in, and then you match him up against somebody. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Thigpen's in the game, why are you not just... Powell has why is it not a track meet when you have Thigpen yeah. in the game and he's not... Yep. And you're not, and you're throwing the football. He's on a wheel route, and away well, he goes. It's still early in the season. You don't. He didn't do it last year at all. I know you don't want to show up. I'm being optimistic here, Rob. Can I be that first? Although second? he dropped a long pass in the early <laughs> la- early last season, uh, they, they had him one on one very early last year, and he dropped the pass. So, um, yeah. but that's the one time they've tried it. And then we'll go back. It's because enough of this optimism. What are they going to do on the offensive line? You look at. I counted up. I think there's more than 140 starts with Blake out. Uh, Labat out and Bladdock out now, and well, Blake just joined him. He's he's going to be gone for a while, I would think. So now they're going to have this Braden Schramm kid, who for some reason the line, yeah, the target kids released last year, and the Riders picked up, and he's going to start at left guard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and the line the, the line did pretty well. Schramm played pretty well. Dakota Shepley's a very good player. Yeah. It seems to have stepped right into that role. You're right, Murray. Though they've got they've lost four starting offensive linemen. It's really amazing when you think that they're able to patch it together. In the offseason, we said that's where they really invested more time. And nobody really noticed it, but they built the depth there. I thought that was their best best stuff they did in the offseason. Uh, Jeremy O'Day and and, uh, yep. and and the personnel department really made sure that they had some Canadians. Shram had a good pedigree coming out, right? Yep. Hamilton drafted him and cut him. Saskatchewan picks him up. Same with Blake, right? They get him from Montreal, I think it was. Yep. And good players who just needed that opportunity to play, and they've they've really developed a pretty decent offensive line. What do they do now if another one gets hurt, yeah. though? Like, they've... Braden Schramm began the season, correct me if I'm wrong, was there, is their number seven offensive yep. lineman. Maybe now he's starting. Seven or eight, maybe. What if, the, what if another injury hits? Yeah. What do they do? You go Americans. They're going to have to put a yeah. Canadian somewhere else, right? Well, Jacoby C- Cofield's gone for a while, too. Yes, that's, uh, that's the fourth one. I, that's the four, I, know, yeah, I forgot about him. But they, with, 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 all, with such a patchwork line, they didn't allow a sack. <laughs> Granted, yeah. the uh, Lions front four Not much. Doesn't, make you think, no. doesn't make you think back to Bill Baker. Is Odell and Willis Wake. still on the team? Just, Where'd he go? He <laughs> there was nothing. Oh, yeah. There was Jesus. no pressure. But I think Cody Fajardo also helped his own game too by using his legs and feet. If you look at it, he, he seems to have these big runs. He doesn't have huge totals, but he uses he runs effectively. Yes, and that's kind of, you know, we thought as a short yardage guy, you should be able to be, to run. But he's, he's shown that part of his game that was really good. Point, big. Murray. By by the short yardage experience that he's had over the years, he's now able to follow his blockers very well. He looks for those seams. Because a lot of those were handoffs that he quarterback options that he grabbed back and ran yeah. in because he realized the the defense he saw very well the defense was keying on the running back on Powell so he went the other way a, a tremendous job very effective as Cody Fajardo and he's fearless he came up limping a couple times and you kind of go oh yeah. you know because he, he's played exceptionally well he's taken on that mantle of leadership he answers the questions he stands in there you can tell he works very hard at his craft I think. And I wrote that. They, they, he, he's the guy <laughs> they're looking for. He looks like it, right? He's, he's done more in four starts mm-hmm. and to, to really get people talking than Zach Kalaros did in 14 last year. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Um, and his money in short yardage. Yeah. Have they been stopped yet? I don't, I don't think so. They, they got Nick Marshall they could put in there, too. Yeah, but he's, he hasn't, he hasn't, they, they haven't even used him. They've not left Cody Pajardo, right? Since, since I know. training camp, I haven't seen him out doing yeah. that. Yeah, why bother? Because, as you yeah. said, Cody Fajardo is almost unstoppable at it. Good for him. He's brave, strong, and, and very astute at finding his finding the gaps in he the He looks the part, too. Yeah. You, you listen to him talk. He, he obviously he just has that persona that a quarterback has to. Yeah has to adopt it just and it it seems like it just comes naturally to him doesn't he sprinkle a little jesus on it too he said yeah a little jesus yeah how do you not like what he's done yep and, he, oh yeah he's impressive he, he's humble and and talented he he doesn't take the credit he takes the blame those that's what good quarterbacks do right that's what mike Riley's done for years but mike Riley isn't having the success that cody fajardo is which is kind of surprising because he cody fajardo is probably making 20 percent of what uh yeah. Mike Riley is making on the salary. Cody Fajardo could make himself some serious bucks this year. If you, I don't know what his contract is like. It's a one-year deal. Yeah. But if he if he keeps playing the way he has, certainly other teams will be enticed unless the Riders can can uh, get him to sign get it get an extended deal signed during the year. But his best games have been against Ottawa, Toronto, and. BC. Let's see. True. How, let's but see, I mean, yeah, <laughs> let's see how he does it. The the second part. That's yeah. what we keep waiting for. Let's see yeah. if he does. But he bounced back tremendously from that, that, that horrible Calgary performance. As I said before, they beat yeah. the team he had to beat. Yes, he, he had did. to perform. Has against to do the it again. Let's see how he does against Hamilton in a, in a week, week and a half, or two weeks. Right. It's also nice to have a quarterback that wants to be the face of the franchise. And I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. Like Zach Claris doesn't want to be the guy. He doesn't want to be the one that comes up and responds to all the the generalized questions. Mm-hmm. Cody. Cody. Wants that role. He embraces it. He was that guy in Nevada for three or three of his four years. That he was the number one guy, mm-hmm. rushed for a thousand yards a couple of years and stuff. So he's he's kind of done. He knows he's done. He's been in that role, but it's got to be tiresome sometimes to keep asking the same questions. But anyway, how about another? One? I'm sorry, taking over. What do we say about Craig Dickinson now? Two and three. We had him going against Devon Claybrooks. Is he the that coach that was soundly trounced by the Stampeders, or is he the guy that's been got him two wins against these two teams? I don't think you can evaluate the coaching, the quarterbacking, the anything until they play a team that is top drawer. <laughs> mm-hmm. The one team that they've played, and it isn't the Calgary team that people have come to expect, but it's still a Calgary team that has to be respected, and they lost 37-10. to 10. Mm-hmm. So I want to see what happens when they play Winnipeg. I want to see what, what happens when they play ha- Hamilton again on August 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamilton Calgary looming is a really interesting game this week. Yeah. Um, I want to before making any judgments on Craig Dickinson or or anybody. I think you have to see how they fare given another shot against a team that's top drawer. Conceivably, they could be three and three after this weekend, and we'd still really have no idea of whether they're a good team, a great team, or one that's just capitalized upon fortuitous scheduling. Mm-hmm. But then they got Montreal in the bye week. Yeah, and Montreal is Looking pretty one good. of the second hottest team in the league right now. Yeah. When you asked about Craig Dickinson, I think he's still there's still some things he needs to learn, right? Yeah. He, he needs his sideline strategy, needs to be a little stronger, and he's got to be ready on his challenges. He can say that he's got his headphones down and he can hear it, but uh, you got to be on top of that, man. You got to yeah. you have to be thinking ahead all the time. There have been some times this season when you think, come on, Mr. Dickinson, challenge that play, and he seems to be – off talking to somebody else. So he's got to be. He works with the special teams a lot. I know. Like way more than. He should turn that over to Terry Eisley. I think that, I was thinking that when I was watching, I was thinking how many times he talked to the special teams guys. I think, okay, 
Special teams, you move on from that one because you got your offense and defense. I think what he needs, and Chris Jones had it last year, he had Craig Dickinson as his right-hand man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Craig could use a Craig Dickinson as his right-hand uh, man yeah. <laughs> to yeah. maybe help him with some guidance mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And I think, and he's got to put the headset on. There's a yeah. reason why every coach in football, other than I think Wally, Wally Bono more, didn't was the last but one. But Wally knows more about football than yeah. Wally's sideline tactics are pretty solid. <laughs> but right? I think Craig needs someone up there in his ear talking to him and listening to what's going on. And maybe and that's that's not a criticism. It's maybe a, a way that he can. I, I think he's going to be a really good coach. I, do I think he's a type that you want to play for. Um, and I, I think there's I think there's going to be a bit of a Ken Miller syndrome here where people just would just basically run through a fire to play for well, you, Craig Dickinson. You, and I, that, you can't quantify that, no. but I just I get the feeling that's the kind of coach he's going to be. And Ken Miller wasn't the kindly grandfather, the, the, this avuncular person that everybody thought he was all the time. Sir what? He could, he could get on... He could he could push the buttons with players. I think Craig mm-hmm. Dickinson can do that as well. Yeah, There's and I love loyalty. his honesty. He gets yeah. it. Yes, he, he does. Gets it. Yeah, can do too. Like teach, yeah. I still I still can't get over. He tells us about injuries because mm-hmm. he's going. Uh, yeah, he's got a groin. I can, yeah. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. 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 It's not that and one. then he says Murray. Yeah. Right. It's changed. The whole attitude over there has changed completely. That he refers to the people he's talking to, and in Murray's interviews, you hear the players say, "I love Dicky." Well, they'd say I love Chris Jones. Did they say it? I don't never, know very often. I, I think there were players who were like you look at Willie Jefferson, yeah. and if 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 Chris Jones was coaching in the industrial league or the Alberta Senior mm-hmm. Men's League, Willie Jefferson would probably be playing for him. There was there was a cadre of players yeah. who would go wherever Chris Jones went. Did he engender that type of respect and loyalty across the board? I'm not sure, but I'm not sure every coach does. If you're not starting, you're probably complaining about the head coach. Mm-hmm. So there's probably only 24 players on each team who are really have a chance to be beholden to the head coach. And haven't you heard this year the offense say, hey, we feel like we're part of the team this year? <laughs> they didn't feel that way when Chris Jones was running the defense. You talk about Craig Dickinson paying attention to the special teams. All Chris Jones ever did was pay attention to the defense. He took the best players off offense to put on his defense yeah. because it made him look better. Obviously, they won because of it or they were very effective because of it. But the team had no offense, and that was because their head coach was slanted towards the defense. Well, they spent some money on yeah. the offense. A little they bit. They did money. this year, and they. they I, we were talking earlier. They, the job they did, they brought in good backup quarterback, who we thought at the beginning probably the right guy. But they also built that offensive line, and they built the depth, knowing you need it because you go through offensive linemen, and it's a very solid part of this team right now. So, just I hate to take another. What about the Blue Bombers? How about a team stepping up to fulfill expectations? Yeah. You know, they're in the West Division. And everyone's going to chase them. I know it's not Riders, Rob, but no, that's right. They're so we'll good. We'll give you four seconds of bomber time. But isn't it? Three, I just think two, you, you had your rant over Gainer. I just want to sing the praises of the Blue Bombers. I'm not done Nick. yet, by the way. It still bugs me. <laughs> are, are we going to have to admit that Matt Nichols is a good quarterback, <sighs> or Mike Mike O'Shea is a good coach? Yeah, yeah. all these things. And Kyle Walters talk to is me a in November. Guy, so huh? yeah. And Kyle Walters is a I good... I know. Uh, you know they, they did everything they yeah, had to do have, right in the right? offseason. Yes, yeah. they have, yeah. And, and they've then, stuck together. The loyalty that they've shown with that group growing together, I think, is what's really produced them. So, so we, we look at things and you think, well, in Toronto, they got to fire Corey Chamberlain, but that'll just set them back again. So, yeah. you know, you, you, they stuck with Michael Shea, even though he was under fire a couple of years ago. They stuck with Matt Nichols, even though everybody said, is he really a leader? It seems like all the pieces are in place and they're all experienced and they're growing together. Um, we should wrap up. You have to get to practice. Are you going to practice? I'm going to go to practice. Yeah, I watch Murray at practice. I'm going to go and I'm on holidays, so I'm not doing a a thing. Um, Murray, you've got to read this thing because I mangle it. And the last words are no more gainer the gopher. I don't want any more gainer stories. I'm just sick of gainer. I I don't, 
I, I reserve the right to make jokes about it. There's a man inside the suit, but let's just stop talking about the suit. All right, here we go. If you enjoy the podcast, or podcast, as Rob said, Wasn't please, that clever? please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can also follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or me at Murray LP, and we're both on Twitter. Daryl, where do we find you on Twitter? Uh, Daryl Davis SK. Thanks, guys. What was your address? I got a question to ask. We could use one. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Daryl, thank you so much for being Good with to see us. You guys. Welcome back. Uh, we we still have to my desk. Yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, <laughs> okay. it's somewhere in the basement. All right. and yeah. there, may, there may be mice residing in one of the drawers, <laughs> just like old times. Yeah. Uh, Murray, thanks uh, as always for your time and insight. Daryl, great to see you again. We'll always consider thanks, you guys. one of ours, even you, though you're a CJME or now. <laughs> Daryl Davis of the Leader Post. I'm Rob Vanstone of the Leader Post, and we'll do this again next week with number 61, Ed McQuarters. Take care. <laughs>